0: All righty then. Good, good evening. Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study here at Celebration Church. It's good to be with you. I have been out of commission for several months, but I'm back, and we go forward. We are continuing our verse by verse study through the New Testament, uh, and doing it in the order of, in which these. Uh, Letters were written. We call them books of the Bible in the Old Testament and New Testament. They're not actually books. we <clears throat> uh, we got the Gospels. Acts could be like a book, but the rest of them were letters, they're just letters. And uh and we're reading them in in the order they were written, kind of trying to put everything into context. Uh, as I've said many times, I, I don't know who decided to put the books of the Bible in the order that they are, but it wasn't helpful. <laughs> I mean I. Who made these decisions that are like all over the place? The worst is the Old Testament. You're trying to read the Old Testament, Genesis straight on, man, you're not going to know what's going on for a whole long time because everything's completely out of order. If you just put it in order, that least would be helpful. Anyway, so I don't know. Nobody checked with me. So we are uh, now, we, we finished Titus, Paul's letter to Titus. Now we've, we get to, we started out, the very first uh, letter in the New Testament was written by James. Okay, And in the context, as you can tell, he's writing to Jewish Christians uh, because of the references and the way he starts out, writing to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, talking about the 12 tribes of Israel, Jewish Christians as uh, who he's writing to. Because at that time, a lot of them didn't even think uh, non-Jews could even be Christians. Okay, so later they made it, Oh, oh yeah, I guess anybody can be a Christian. God started showing them that it wasn't about just being Jewish at that point. And everything started to radically change. Well then you got Paul who comes along. He starts out, he's persecuting the church. He is a nasty, nasty boy. And and God just jerks his chain, gets his attention, he repents, and becomes arguably the single greatest influence on the Christian church in that he writes the bulk of the New Testament. Quite fascinating, you would think that the guys who were with Jesus should have been writing the book of the, right? Why not those guys? Um, Fast, I'm sure there's all kinds of intellectual people who've pondered this thought, but uh, it's quite interesting. I think a lot of it has to do with faith. Isn't it interesting, as the guy who taught the most about faith was truly a man of faith himself. He never saw Jesus. He wasn't there. He didn't see any of this stuff going on. Peter did. Now we're at Peter. So all of a sudden, Peter, James did. Peter did. And then we'll get to John eventually. So those are the guys that uh, had seen it. And they will make some references to it. But uh, interestingly enough, uh, the ones who had the greatest influence uh, was was Paul. So anyway, so we get to Peter. Now, Peter um, is highly revered, for example, in the... uh, In the Catholic Church, uh, they consider him, you know, the first pope or whatever. Uh, And this isn't beat up on Catholic night, you know, it's just we're not Catholics. (laughs) We don't think like them. And Catholics and Protestants disagree on some things, agree on lots of things. We love the Catholics. I'm going to be doing a big event for Catholics this weekend in California, you know, so we love them all, okay, we love everybody, but uh, sometimes there's just divides in thinking um so to them he was like the first guy and had the major influence and and really it would appear that his influence was really rather minor we got these two letters certainly we saw the uh he was in charge of the church initially when they started in acts and even that didn't last long it doesn't take long until you get to the book acts and james is in charge You know, what happened to Peter, you know, and stuff. And of course, we don't buy into the concept of popes anyway. There's not ever one guy who decides everything that God's gonna do on the earth. Again, they would disagree, fine. All right, we can all agree to disagree kindly. So anyway, so now we finally get to Peter. This is a ways in to Christianity. He was clearly still involved, uh, but his thing with Paul is because they really struggled with relating to, to non-Jews. Even Peter, James, all those guys, all these apostles, it was a struggle for them. Peter basically said, look, you go to the Gentiles and we'll go to the Jews. Okay, so Peter was having an influence uh, clearly in the, in the early time, certainly just as a witness to what had happened and teaching and preaching and he, he, he did great things and had miracles in his life and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, Paul is the one who becomes the apostles of the Gentiles, has the biggest influence, as I said. So, Now we get to here, um, he is speaking. Now he's, he's starting to speak more, it seems like, according to the studies that I read, uh, that at this point now he's also speaking to the Gentile Christians as well. We see this here, it says, when Peter chapter one, verse one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. So these these are a lot of the places that Paul went. And there were a lot of uh, non-Jewish Christians there at the time, although they were kinda all mixed together too. Anyway, so he's writing to these guys who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. In other words, God wasn't shocked when you came to church for the first time. he kind of had a clue <laughs> that you'd be there, all right? God has known about you from the get-go. And even when you were at your worst and nastiest doing God only knows what some of us have done, uh, he knew about you, he was calling you, you finally heard the message and you responded to Christ and he did what, He the miracle changing your heart. And that's why you're here listening to me or watching me on the internet around the world right now so all this was according to the foreknowledge of of God, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Now what does that mean, to sanctify? It means to make pure. In other words, it's kind of like, how many of you know that even though you've been forgiven of your sins and you've come to Christ, uh, you're still not where you should be? (laughs) Anybody out there? Some of us still have issues, I've heard. (laughs) Not me, of course, you know. Yeah, even me. Issues, stuff we gotta work through, and there is this constant cleansing work that's going on in us. Even though we've been forgiven, there's the cleansing work and empowering work of the Holy Spirit in us that sanctifies us, that sets us apart, that uh, purifies us, that makes us uh, fit for the master's use, you know, so we can grow in our faith, right? There's the old saying, uh, I'm not what I ought to be, but thank God, I'm not what I used to be. And even though you might be struggling with where you're at, and, and it's easy to do, because we all have struggles, right? Well, if you look back to where you were at before, now you see a difference. There's a big difference that has happened over the, over the years and months that God has been working in your heart and my heart, uh, but we're still not quite there yet. How do we get there? We keep yielding to the sanctifying power of the Holy Spirit, let the Holy Spirit deal with us. That's why you wanna put yourself intentionally in positions and places where God can continue to work by his Holy Spirit in you. That's why you're here tonight and why you're listening online. You're listening and because you are putting yourself in a position to hear the word of God, to be in Christian fellowship. Why, because in this thing, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered together, I'm there in their midst. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's why you go to church on Sundays. Why you know you want to read the Bible, devotionals, uh, you know, daily or however you do it. Um, why you listen to you know Christian music and stuff like that. Uh, not that you can't listen to little country music once in a while or whatever that you listen to. It's just that at times you listen to this other stuff because it kind of builds up your faith and keeps reminding you. All of that is to encourage the Holy Spirit's work in you, why you want Christian friends, not that you cannot have non-Christian friends. We should all have non-Christian friends that we're trying to turn into Christian friends, right? This is how the church grows. This is how people, you know, are are, are brought into the kingdom of God. It's not about, gee, the church is going to put an ad in the paper and everybody's going to come in the door. You know, now we do stuff like that, billboards and our TV show, all kinds of stuff that we do to... Draw people in. A lot of people have been affected by it, but by and large, the single greatest reason most people are in church today is because somebody you know invited you. Somebody that cared about you brought you. Might have been a family member. Might have been just a friend at work. It might have been somebody somewhere. Uh, so, uh, and that's all fine, and we need that. But you need to have close Christian friends. People that you can get together with and pray with and tell your concerns about. And, uh, you know, I have guys that I answer to all the time. Uh, most of you know them uh, Jimmy Bratcher, uh, Bishop Gary, uh, Tim Kimmel. These are, these are all on my short list. These are the guys that I tell all my junk to. They've heard stuff that would probably horrify you, all right? But just the struggles and frustrations that I have and stuff. Uh, you know, oh, I do not think pastors had that. Well, yep. <laughs> You know, but I need that, and it's all—all all of that is also part of this environment that encourages the work of the Holy Spirit in us, so He continues to sanctify. I know it's a big fancy religious word, but that's what that means. So He's He's chosen us; always knew He's going to choose us, and through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. What does that mean? That's the. Uh, an Old Testament reference of when they would have sacrifices and they would sprinkle the blood, you know, to, for the forgiveness of sins. So we have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen, all right? Amen. Okay. So that's his opening remarks. And then he says, grace and peace be yours in abundance. How many of you could use grace and peace in abundance? Me. You know what grace is? Grace is unmerited favor. I mean, just God likes you for no reason at all. I need a lot of that, Okay. Because I have at times (laughs) said or done things I shouldn't. I know it's hard to imagine, you know. But uh, we don't work our way to God. God doesn't look down the list and see, uh, you know, Mark, yeah, I'm ticked off, ticked off, ticked off. Okay, he was pretty good today. You know, that's not the way it works. He loves us, boom, because of grace, unmerited favor. He looks at you and he smiles, even when you're a major pain in the rear. He looks at you and he smiles. And he continues his work of the Holy Spirit to work inside of us and all these different things to make us, again, better and and vessels, as Paul wrote, to be vessels of honor that he he can use, okay? So grace, we all want that in abundance, and peace, that would be nice. You know, I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you're not in a state of peace. I have been experiencing some of that extremely recently, within the last hour, quite frankly. And uh, you know, sometimes you go at it with people, right? And it's no fun, it's no fun to be in a place of conflict. Sometimes conflict is necessary, I must say. I think the church, quite frankly, has lost its nerve and it doesn't know how to confront things. Uh, We have the Evangelical Church in America has basically taking a coward's position and they spiritualize. Well, let's pray about it. Let's just pray about it. Well, look, I'm all for prayer, but the Lord taught us about confrontation. He said if somebody's doing the wrong thing, you go to them and you talk to them. If he doesn't listen you, grab a couple other guys and so you go and get in their face. If they don't listen, you go through the, to the church and deal with them. And if you need to, you kick them out. I mean, whoa, whoa, how come we're just not praying there? Peter or Paul talked about People who are acting badly, and I'm talking really immorally, bad, bad stuff. The worst one was the guy in 1 Corinthians, you know, sleeping with either his stepmother or his mother. I pray to God it was at least a stepmother, and it's very gross. Uh, and Paul was furious that they didn't confront him. Well, we just we just want to pray about it. Just pray about it. Yeah. Prayer is not a way to avoid responsibility. You know, just praying about things. You know, and I, I know, I it just, it's one of my pet peeves, that Christians, that's their go-to response in anything. They, they're afraid to take a stand on anything. I talked to a guy once, he, he was uh, confessing to me that, that he moved to Green Bay so he could be living with another man's wife. So what are you doing? That's pretty clear. You know, it's like one of the top 10. Right? The truth is, there's not that many commandments, even in Christianity. It's just a handful of stuff. Don't do this stuff. Christianity is one of the easiest religions. It's the easiest religion in the world. I mean, for heaven's sakes. Thou shalt commit adultery is really at the top of the list. And I said, did your Christian friends know that you were going to do this? Yeah, I talked to them about it. What did they say to you? What do you think they told him? Pray about it. Really, you coward. You know someone is doing something and you don't have enough sense that God gave a cat. Which, by the way, if somebody wants a cat, don't have enough sense to look at someone and say, that's, that's wrong. See, there's no confrontation anymore, anywhere. Uh, and that's just not good. So while sometimes confrontation is important, still it's, it's not comfortable. And you certainly want, don't want to be in confrontation based in bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and that kind of, because then you have no peace. Being in a place of no peace is an icky place to be. And one of the things that you read all the time when these guys write, Paul, whoever, including uh, um, Peter here is, man, grace and peace <laughs> in abundance. Maybe you have stuff great because that should be one of the hallmarks of, of Christian people and of Christian community is that we can, in fact, walk in a wonderful state of peace without all the turmoil uh, that the world wants us to get caught up in. So, all right. So then it begins, now praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. All right, so he gives us a new birth. What is it? That's a spiritual birth, being born again. Jesus said, you can't get into heaven if you haven't been born again. What does that mean? It means to be spiritually born. We've all been born physically. Uh, but we need to be born spiritually. Why is that? Because everybody born into the world is born spiritually stillborn. You know what it means to be stillborn? A baby's stillborn, they're born and the child's dead. You know, a very painful thing. Uh, But all of us are born spiritually dead. We're all spiritually stillborn because of sin, in the sin of Adam, quite frankly. That got thrown on the whole world. So we are made in the image of God. Body, soul, intellect, emotion, And spirit, well, when only two-thirds of you is functioning, there's something that's wrong. And people can sense that something is wrong. Some of you will remember sensing things that were wrong. I started sensing it at a very young age, you know. Even at 15 years of age, 16, I gave my life to Jesus. Man, I knew something was wrong. And people do all kinds of things to try and fix that thing that's not quite right. And You know, they'll turn to drugs or to alcohol or to sex or whatever, or they create different religions and they're doing all kinds of things trying to earn their way to God because something's not right. I gotta fix what's not right. Some people turn to meditation and chanting and all kinds of universalist spiritualisms and all kinds, of, why are they doing that? Why is everybody trying to do all this stuff? Something's wrong. Something's not quite right. What is that? Is their spirit is dead, and they're not complete? When you come to Jesus and He breathes the breath of God into your spirit, and you come alive. Y'all remember that day? Some for some of you was dramatic. Some less dramatic, but you still could tell there was a change. Something happened. I am now complete. It's a wonderful thing. The grass seemed greener. The Trees were sweeter, everything, everything, you know. And you look at people differently, it's you're called born again. This is the centerpiece experience of the Christian life. So we have been, he's given us this new birth into a living hope. Now, you have to understand what hope is, I've talked about this before. It's a hope, the English language changes, you know, Good used to be good, but now bad is good. If you're really bad, it's really good. And you know, it's all, you know. Cool used to be cold, and now it's hip, you know. I mean, everything changes. And, and that happens even with the word hope. Hope now is basically wish. You know, you think you'll win the lottery? Oh, I hope so. Well, you don't have hope. That's not hope, that's wishing. True hope means you have an absolute assurance of what is promised is going to come to pass. Uh, that's the kind of hope, this living hope that we have. This isn't pie in the sky. Gee, I hope when I die I go to heaven. But really? If that was a Christian experience, and I think for a lot of people that, that is their experience, they don't quite get it. That's why they don't go to church. They don't give any money. Why? why they, you know, they don't really know anything. When you start walking in the true hope, the absolute assurance that what is promised here is going to take place, It's a wonderful feeling. It's a living hope. I expect, filled with this glorious hope for eternity. Right? Right, John? Okay. (laughs) Picking up my friends here. All right, so, now all this becomes possible what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, which is what we just celebrated at Easter. So, because of the resurrection from the dead, We have this living hope and assurance and we have experienced this new birth. That's what he's talking about. He's really hitting the key points of Christianity. And as a result, we are now put into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Really, I hope so, not, not wishing, we know this. Jesus said, you know, I'm gonna go build some mansions for you guys he been at it for quite a while. <laughs> I think they're pretty cool places, you know? And I don't, I don't know what it's going to be like. I, I don't know. I And I suppose there's a different degree. You know, there's going to be rewards in heaven, right? For those who, you know, uh, will have received greater rewards than others. and Some will be at the front of the line, and then it'll be me. You know, just... A <laughs> little apartment in the backyard. <laughs> oh you guys, you know? But... Uh, there's a wonderful inheritance, whatever it is. It's being kept for us. Thank God for it. Okay, kept in heaven for you who, through faith, we are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So, Pastor, I don't feel very shielded sometimes. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes it feels like there's a crack in the shield <laughs> and you get a little blindsided by things. Uh, it doesn't mean the shield doesn't work. It just means there's the testing of your faith. We all get tested, We all go, which he's going to talk about in just a minute, um, you know. But man, without the shield of God protecting, you have no idea the stuff you've been protected from. I'm serious. I think there's going to, you have no idea the guy who almost took a turn right into your lane and would have killed you in an instant. You have no idea what this, that, or that happened. Uh, we have this wonderful shield, this grace of God that we walk in, and it's quite, quite wonderful, so, shielded from God's power until the coming of the salvation that is going to be revealed in the last time. That's when everything comes together, everything we hope for in a positive way, this blessed assurance that we have, all becomes real uh, when Jesus returns. In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a while, a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. There's the testing, okay? Now, uh, I don't know specifically what Trazi's talking about. About the time that he's writing whatever book I was reading, they they think this is when Rome was really starting to ratchet up the persecution of Christians. And their lives are getting pretty miserable. They're under a lot of heat. We know eventually it gets awful like no one could have ever predicted. Although Jesus said he warned them, that's what would happen. But, you know, that's when they are getting thrown to the lions and they're, hiding in catacombs and running for their lives. and I mean, it got really, really hard. So this is probably the beginning of this. And we don't have those kind of trials today, but everybody has trials. Everybody has stuff that they go through, and you wonder, why am I going through this? Uh, but he says, you greatly rejoice while you're going through these trials. Well, <laughs> that's not always true. <laughs> We're supposed to be greatly rejoicing, Right? You remember James, the first thing James says. Brothers, count it pure joy when everything in your life goes wrong. (laughs) Well, not too many people do that. The context of the word is to celebrate, like to have a party. It's like inviting everyone to your house. Come on, we're going to celebrate. What are we celebrating? (laughs) My life sucks. (laughs) Why would we celebrate? Because it's not going to stay this way. Even in our trials, the reason we celebrate, believe it or not, the horrible, icky, creepy, miserable thing that you did not ask for is making you a better person. It's making you a stronger person. You're going to come out. The Bible talks about the trying of our faith. It's like gold. You want to really purify gold? You know what you do to it? You melt it down. You put it through the fire. I'm sure if gold had a saying, they would... Ask not to be melted. But uh, that's what happens to us. So I know some of you are going through awful things that you didn't ask for. and Who knows, all the people listening to me right now, stuff that they didn't ask for and it's been awful. I'm telling you, if you'll think about this and just think about this verse, you will actually, there'll be a part of you that will start to rejoice because your life is going to get better. The Bible says weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning and your test is being tested just like gold being melted and on the other side you're gonna be a stronger person, you're gonna be a better person, you're gonna be a happier person. Anybody who's ever gone through trials and come out on the other side, how many of you know what I'm talking about? It's a wonderful thing. Now this life is sweeter than it ever was before. Now having said that, I still would prefer not to be melted. (laughs) I don't like it, I don't like it. It's hot, it's miserable, it's uncomfortable. And I went it one bit. And yet, I get tossed in the oven. All right? So, now these have come. What have come? These trials, all this icky caca in your life. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, that your faith may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Hallelujah. Though you have not seen him. Now this is interesting to Peter. Peter saw him. He walked with him from the beginning. He saw stuff that you and I wish we'll never see. Just the Lazarus popping out of the grave after four days. I'd have had a heart attack. I mean, stuff, the miracles. Somebody's blind, all of a sudden they can see. Someone's all twisted up. All of a sudden they can get up and walk. Never walked their whole life. And all of a sudden they're jumping up. I mean, that's an incredible miracle. You know, the guy gets jumped and he never walked. And then he jumps up and he starts running around. Do you know what a miracle that is? Even if your legs did not work and all of a sudden they started working, you would have to go through months and months and months of therapy to learn how to walk. I was talking to Greg Stubbe this last week, and boy, he's, he's so much fun to talk to. Uh, he has so many stories, you have no idea, and he'll tell you. A lot of veterans don't like telling the stories because it's just tough for them. For some reason, it doesn't bother Stubby. <laughs> he can tell you the most horrifying things, like it ain't nothing, like another walk in the park, you know. He was a hardcore Green Beret, man. I'm telling you, he was chair, and you just sit there for hours listening to this stuff. He's talking about his leg gets blown off; is still in his boot. That's a bad day, <laughs> right? I mean, it's a, and, and they put it back. He doesn't have a prosthetic one. They actually put it back together. It's amazing what they can do today, seriously. Thank God for the med- medicine that we have and all y'all in the medical fields. And, I mean, it's quite stunning. And, but talk about having to having, having learn to walk again. How hard it was. But he did it, did it, did it, you know. Uh, so anyway, all fascinating stuff. All this, though you have not seen him, you love him. So Peter is amazed. I saw him. I saw the miracles, all that, and almost everybody at this point who is in Christianity had never seen him. you notice know how strange that was for Peter? You guys have never seen him. You never heard his words. You never sat, down, yet you, you believe. This is stunning to him. That's the power of faith. And again, isn't it interesting, the one who had the most impact on Christianity is Paul, who never saw him. Fascinating stuff. Even though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now concerning the salvation... The prophets, talking about the Old Testament, who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. He said, these guys who wrote all of this and talking about the Messiah, they're trying to out, man, when is this stuff going to happen? When is this stuff going to happen? It was all fascinating to them. Uh, he said, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, which would be us now. When they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. You know, angels are fascinated by our experience. Did you know that? They're actually fascinated. And look, like, man, how's, how's that working? It's amazing. We see, from a spiritual sense, we don't see anything. Well, in a physical sense, we don't see anything, but yet, spiritually, we experience God's grace and power in our lives. It's just amazing stuff. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, not aware that he's writing to people from Wisconsin, uh, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. All right, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Okay, so now <laughs> he's glossing over it just a bit. He says, Don't conform to the evil desires that you used to have. The part he's glossing over is that they're still there. That's why don't conform to them. We've talked about this many times. The Christian experience, you're born again, you have. Uh, you know, the new life of Christ in you, all that icky stuff, been washed away, but that sinful nature is still there. It is still in you, and you need to take care. You need to be smart. He says, be sober-minded, think clearly, be aware. Be careful, the, oftentimes they talk about be careful. Paul would write, be careful how you live your lives. Why is that? Because given the right circumstances, any of y'all would do anything. Any of you, you think you would never do it. You're just the candidate to do it. You think you would never cheat on your spouse? Yeah, you would. You think you would never lie and cheat? Yeah, you would. I'd never take something that wasn't mine. Yeah, you would, given the right circumstances. Don't ever think that you're above any of this stuff. There's an awful nature in us, a sin nature, and you know, it was warned, watch out for the devil. He goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I know Christians like, oh, he's just a toothless lion. <laughs> no, he's not. He's got lots of teeth. And he will take you out. You think, the Bible says take heed. When you think you stand, that's when you fall. Don't, any, don't ever get so arrogant to think it would never happen to me. Don't ever look down your bony ecclesiastical nose at other people who have failed even pastor, that pastor, he had an affair. I can't believe it. Looking down your nose and, hey, given the same circumstances, you'd probably do done the same thing. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, you would. That's why we pray. Lead us not into temptation. Jesus warned us, guys, remember he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Get up. Pray that you don't fall into temptation. Why, you get in the right place, the wrong place, I should say, you get the wrong place at the right time, you are capable of virtually anything. Pray you don't get into those situations. Be alert, pay attention, be humble. Don't be harsh. The Bible says you'd be harsh to someone else who's sinning, and they weren't unless you, you do the same thing. You, know, you see someone who's made a mistake, don't be pounding on them, you need to love them. Restore them. Encourage them back to faith. We should be doing that, quite frankly, with some of these pastors who've done it. I think it's the greatest tragedy in modern America that if a pastor has a moral failure, we shoot him and bury him as deep as we can. There's no restoration. He'll never have a church again. We'll never let him really stop. These are some of the most talented and brilliant men that have been tossed to the side by Christians because they didn't, they made, a fail, they made a mistake. We want forgiveness, of course, but not a pastor, for forgiveness, you know, let's nail him to the wall. It's absurd. We got great talent sitting on the sidelines because some churches just can't get past, he, he made a mistake one day. Really? As if you think you'd never do that. Be smart, pay attention, do not conform to those evil desires that you once lived in. But don't kid yourself, they're still there. But just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. What is he saying? Don't get so comfortable here. You're a foreigner, you're just passing through this place. We forget that. Remember, I was preaching back in uh, November when we were talking about doing our legacies. Thing. Uh, don't get so comfortable here that heaven looks like an inconvenience. And that's where Christians, American Christians, are today. You know, most people's lives are pretty awful. Remember? I was talking about that. You're, and there's a lot of places in the world where you you get jock itch, <laughs> there's nothing you knew about it. You get an infected tooth, you die. You know how many people throughout history have died because of a tooth infection? It'll get into your blood and kill you. Walking, no transportation. When it's cold, you just freeze. When it's hot, you sweat like a pig. This has been the experience of mankind until just recently, when now we have all these comforts. Most of those people, if you would have said, man, would you like to go to heaven today? Most of them, yes. Yeah, this is awful. This is awful, I got things wrong, I don't even know what's wrong with me. It's that one thing that, again, we just mentioned about, thank God for the medicine that we have. If we didn't have this, can you imagine how miserable you'd be? You know, we, didn't, we got glasses. You know, now I had LASIK surgery because I, I looked like the human fly. <laughs> really thick glasses. Hello, everybody, (laughs) And 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 so, why'd you do that? Because, first of all, I'm vain, and secondly, because uh, I didn't want you to look at a fly, you know, so I thought, you know, I'm a public person. Say, well, you still wear glasses? Yeah, they're they're really low prescriptions. I don't really need them at all, to be honest with you. I do more for reading. When I'm close, all I see there is I don't see anything, okay? Because that's what's happened to you in your 40s. (laughs) But man, life was miserable for people. For thousands and thousands and thousands of years of experience, man, we get to go to heaven, Woohoo! Today we're so comfortable. You go to so many modern Christians and say, would you go to heaven today if you had the chance? No, I really want to see my grandchildren graduate. No, I, don't. Oh, I want to get married first, Pastor, I hope Jesus, I'd have people, to, oh, I hope Jesus doesn't come yet because I want to get married. I want to, oh my gosh. What has happened to us? We used to sing, we had so many of the songs. Remember, we were going through these songs? When I was doing those sermon series, people would sing about heaven. You go to church, they'd be singing, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus. We'll sing and shout the victory, one song after another, songs about heaven, 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 heaven. Let's get out of here. Right? Crossing over to the other side. Hanging in there one day at a time. Sweet Jesus. Well, now we don't sing any of those songs. You know, we sit in very comfortable chairs with really cool sound effects and great musicians. And most of us can't even raise our hands very high to praise God. It's kind of like half-mast, which is usually a sign that somebody's dead. You know, half-mast, flags are half-mast. Yeah. what am I talking about? I have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) He said, remember, we are passing through. We're foreigners. Don't get so comfortable in this life that you almost despise the next one. Again, I thank God for what we have. I don't like to suffer. I don't. I'm really anti-suffering personally. I really should live in Hawaii where the temperature is always what? Like 80 degrees, two or three, you know. Whatever it is, you know, what? The most boring job in the world has gotta be the uh, weather forecaster in Hawaii. What? What's happening tomorrow? Same thing happened today. Let's look out for the 10-day picture. It's all the same. You know, that's what I want. (laughs) I hate being cold and I hate being hot. (laughs) <laughs> I'm such a wuss. Anyway. For you know that it was with, not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Your faith, your existence, this walk with Christ wasn't paid with money. He's got money? Who cares about money? Man, you were brought with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, There's great value in you. I know oftentimes we don't feel very valuable. At times, I don't feel very valuable, I get it. There's people that I don't think are very valuable. (laughs) But we have to keep reminding ourselves that they are valuable, why? Because they've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. And always remember this, the value of something is determined by what is willing to be paid for it. Did you catch that? You know, if we want to know what this phone is worth, uh, you put it on eBay, or something, right? And then you'll find out what it's really worth, what people are willing to pay for it. When you find what people are willing to pay for it, you know, they have these auctions and they'll have these paintings which look like demon-possessed children drew them. I don't know what the heck that, you know, but they'll, they'll bid on these paintings. And $500 million! How much is the painting worth now? $500 million. Because that's what someone's willing to pay for. it. You have been purchased by the very blood of Christ Himself. As a very valuable commodity. You are something even though when you don't feel that you are. That's why God isn't why doesn't God give up on me? You cost him a lot. You don't toss stuff that costs you a lot. You know, I've got little things that I toss to the side. I I don't toss this away. Sucker's are expensive. Pretty cool though. It recognizes my face. It loves me. I ain't throwing it away, I'll tell you that. You've been bought with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God. That's right. The God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope, this blessed assurance, are in God. God. Now that you've purified yourself by obeying the truth, and you do that by stopping the obvious things you shouldn't be doing, so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. It's hard. It's really hard to love people. (laughs) Because some of them are such jerks. Oh, God, help me. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. So he's talking about, we have, we have an e- there's an eternal kiss in our souls. We've already begun eternity. You don't have to wait till you die. I'll be like, you know, fire in the sky after you die, that's when we'll really experience God's grace. No, you're experiencing it right now. That's part of the celebration, that's what we rejoice about. We are experiencing just a piece of what we're gonna get over there. And just the piece is a rush. Over there's gotta be a riot. And then he talks about temporary things. All people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. Well, yeah, flowers are pretty, yeah. The grass withers (laughs) and the flowers fall, okay? It is what it is. We are temporal beings. The older you get, the more the glory fades. Some of us don't have that problem, but others do. Let's face it. Gravity is very cruel. <laughs> very cruel thing. <laughs> your body, your just your uh, what do you call it? Metabolism starts to change, right? When I when I graduated high school, I was 118 pounds, dripping wet, and I ate all day. <laughs> now, if I walk by a donut, I gain five pounds. What is that? <laughs> the metabolism slows down. Everything starts to change. But he said, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Chapter two. And remember, none of these chapters existed. They just threw these in so he could find where to find things. He continues his letter. Therefore, and whenever you see a therefore, you want to see what it's there for. Now, it's because of what God has done. Rid yourselves of all malice Deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, and every kind. What does those words mean? You know what malice means? To hurt somebody. You ever feel like you just want to hurt somebody? <laughs> I must confess I feel that rather frequently. And, and I have to fight it. I have to fight it, you know. And I'm not just talking about punching people in the face because I'm too small. Most of you beat me up. And, and I'm talking about the women. And uh, <laughs> but there's other ways that we hurt people, right? You know, you can hurt people. You want to say something, you stupid ass, freshened, He said, Man, because of what God's done, get rid of that. Stop. Mark, stop. Stop with the mouth. Okay, okay, okay. Deceit, We that we understand. Hypocrisy, envy. I want what they have. I don't have what they have. It's not fair. That, that irritates me, I got to tell you. You know, whenever I post something on Facebook about a man or a woman, you should see all the posts and say, well, what about the other? If I post something about women, they say, well, what about the men? And we got this absurd concept. You know, everything's got to be totally fair all the time. I just had this nice post about how to love a woman. I don't know if you saw it. You should. It's very romantic. <laughs> I didn't write it. I just picked it off sometimes. But, but, but then people well, what about how to love men? It just irritates me. Everything's got to be fair, all the time. Everybody has to have the same. Everybody gets a trophy. Really, just stop. Slander of every kind, and there's all kinds of ways to slander and knock people down. What he says, get rid of that stuff, get rid of that stuff. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. What does that mean? You know, have you ever? You're going along, you're not even that hungry, you know, and you're you're at Costco, and and they stick something in your face. Try this. I don't want to try this. Try it. And you taste it and go, oh, I gotta have more of that, you know, because it tastes so good, right? Well, when you start to experience Christ in your life, i was like, wow, that's good. That should make us want more. If you're not wanting more, uh, that's not a bad place for you. Obviously, none of the people I'm talking to or listening to me right now are in that place, or you'd be doing something else. It's all those who aren't here who need to want more. Okay? You guys intentionally come and God bless you, and your life will be better for it. I guarantee you. All right, you want that? You want more? Not that you taste of the Lord is good. As you come to Him, the Living Stone. Now He starts using this analogy that that more likely the Jews among them would understand because of those, these prophecies about. The cornerstone, and so he quotes it here. So, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, talking about Jesus. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For the scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion. He's quoting these Old Testament verses that Jews would have been familiar with. Uh, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. It's a prophecy about Jesus. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious. but those who do not believe, and then he quotes another verse of the Old Testament. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. They rejected it, but it became the cornerstone. That's what happened. The Jews, by and large, rejected Jesus, but yet he's the foundation of it all, right? And a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. Paul, again, quoting the Old Testament, not Paul, Peter, says they stumble because they disobey the message which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, which is what he just said back in verse five. Being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Okay, now, again, not picking on the Catholics. But in the New Testament, they never refer to anybody in the church as a priest, they just don't. Why these guys do, I don't know. I'm sure they have their reasons, we agree to disagree. Talks about pastors, teachers, elders, evangelists, all that, but not priest. A priest is someone who stands between you and God. And the reality is, that doesn't happen for people of faith. You don't need a priest. You don't need me or anybody else to stand between you and God. You have direct access to God yourself. You don't need me to do anything to you, sprinkle you with anything or anything else. You have direct access. And in fact, all Christians are supposed to be priests. How do you know that? Because it says right here. Second time he says it. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. Back up here, where he says it before in verse five, you're to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are all priests. We are a nation of kings and priests in the Bible, in another place it says. We're a royal priesthood. All of us, all of you can come directly to God, worship God, thank God, offer sacrifices to God as part of your (laughs) priesthoodness. Okay? So, Anyway, kind of interesting. We are God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, you were nobodies, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but thank God, now you have received mercy. So dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, again, Don't put down deep roots here in your soul. We're just passing through this place. Because of that, he warns us to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. And you don't have to be a Christian very long before you start to experience these desires that are in fact raging war against your soul. Pastor, how do I deal with them? Stay away from them. He says abstain, stay away from him, so stay away from him. Don't try to reason with it. Oh, I can do that, oh, I can do that. Oh, I, I can hang with a bunch of these people that maybe are doing inappropriate things. I'll be okay, yeah. Oh, we're just friends. You know, I, I know he's married, you know, but we're just friends, we just like to talk. Yeah, you're smart thinking. You so well, I don't know how, I don't know why I had an affair, I don't. Really? You think it just happened? It then not just happens. You're not being smart. You're not abstaining, you're not staying. Again, there needs to be a sense about us. I was just talking to uh, someone the other day about this. To realize anyone's capable of anything, be smart. Again, that doesn't mean you have to hide under a rock and you can never be around someone who does what. I'm not talking about that, but there's, there's the line we got to be aware of the lines. Don't cross lines. Oh, 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 okay, we justify it. Well, it's no big deal. It's just, you know, it's just my 14th beer. You know, I mean, at some point, you, you got to stop. Whatever the lines are, you know, you should be self-aware and know don't put yourself in situations. Don't be being buddies with somebody. You know, oh, and I, he's just a friend and he really needs help. Yeah, if you don't have the same body parts, no. Are you hearing me? You know how many people wind up in affairs with people they were trying to help? You have no idea. You have no idea. It happens all the time, even here. Multiple ones here, despite everything I preach and teach. You got to pay attention. Now, does God hate them? No. Do I hate them? No. They know I don't hate them. Thank God for grace. Everybody say grace. grace. We mess up. Now, there's oftentimes very painful experiences going through that stuff. But don't be getting close to someone who has, doesn't have the same <laughs> parts. <laughs> parts as parts. Why, wouldn't, why would you do that? Because it's not smart. Oh, I'd never do anything. Yeah, right. I say, that's the ones. These are the ones. Oh, I, 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 yeah, we're just friends. We're talking for eight hours a day, but we're just friends. Texting all day long, we're just friends. Hello, come on. We just gotta be smart. Just, just Be smart, just stay away from it, just stay away from it, avoid that stuff. Well, I like him, he's a friend. Get a girlfriend. <laughs> Won't happen to me, yeah. We'll see live such good lives among the pagans, basically unbelievers, non-Christians, that though they can even accuse you of doing something wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Then we get into the weeds. And we get into some stuff, you know, Paul had these things, these things that he would say that you just go, and it's hard for us, and now, Peter is going to do it. And uh, I only have three minutes left, so I don't want to open the can of worms now. (laughs) So (laughs) come back next week. And we'll get into some of these things that he says. Uh, The the first thing, he says, submit yourselves to the Lord's sake to every human authority. I want to talk about that. Because some people take, well, the, the state has the final say in everything. No, they don't. Well, the Bible says obey the laws of the land. Really? And this is the state now that thinks cats and dogs can get married and it's all okay. I mean, everything, there's no, the state? The state has the final say in everything? No, I don't think, I think we should obey the laws as long as they don't contradict the laws of God. Are you hearing me? Okay, at some point, and and a lot of Christians will fight and argue about that. We'll we'll get into that whole thing uh, next Wednesday. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your kindness. Thank you for your word and your faithfulness. Bless each one uh, as this word goes deep in their hearts, craving spiritual milk that they can grow. Give everybody a safe trip home. Bless all those who are watching online right now. And bring us all again together again next Wednesday. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. amen. God bless you guys. See ya.